You're listening to the Palo Alto Network's podcast series, conversations about securing our way of life in the digital age. Welcome, everybody, to Don't Panic, the podcast from Unit 42 at Palo Alto Networks. I am Ryan Olson, and with me once again is Rick Howard. Say hi, Rick. Hey, guys. Uh, how's it going? For those of you who haven't heard our podcast before, this is the podcast where we talk about the big picture items in cybersecurity. And on, in addition to that discussion, we also tell you why you don't need to panic about them, why you don't need to listen to the FUD and be terrified of what is happening out in the world, but be confident in the fact that we've got solutions for some of these big, hard problems. So today our topic is going to be the Internet of Things and specifically Internet of Things botnets, which you guys have probably heard a whole bunch about. Yeah, we've been talking about this thing for a long time. Absolutely. So we sort of have to talk a little bit up front about what is the Internet of Things. And the the whole idea, we also call this IoT. So we're going to call that, we're going to say that a lot, IoT. And the idea of the Internet of Things is most of the things on the Internet for a long time have been computers, things that we think about as computers. Uh, So your laptop or your desktop or a server or something else. But that line has been blurring really for a decade. There's all of a sudden all these little things that are effectively computers and can attach to the internet in different ways. You know the way I just showed up at my house? I didn't even even know who bought it at my house. Yeah. You know the... They're little Tide buttons, okay, that you, oh, yeah, put, yeah, on, yeah. you put on your washer and you hit the, a button. The Amazon yeah. instant rapid whatever button. Yeah, and yeah, you hit the button and it automatically sends you sure. another Tide box. It's like, yeah. wow, okay. And that thing is connected to the internet. Yeah. You have an internet button in your house. <laughs> That's scary. That sends you <laughs> detergent. Um, and I'm pro- I would not be terrified of that. I, uh, there are a lot of, you know, uh, all of us have some IoT devices. And it depends a little bit on your definition. But uh, you might consider your phone a component of the Internet of Things. But more likely, um, other devices in your house. It might be your Tide button. It might be your fridge. It might be uh, your, your Internet-connected sous vide. I recently got an Internet-connected meat probe that I can put into a stake, wow. and then it talks to my phone over Bluetooth, and then I can share if I want to. Because that's useful. All sorts of stuff. It's great from the perspective. <laughs> it has a value. It has a value. But uh, that is the IoT. That is the Internet of Things. There's all these things out there. Um, and one of the things, the reason that we're talking about this is though it's a little bit terrifying, is that we all a little bit have this doom and gloom mentality around someday this is all going to go terribly wrong. Our refrigerators are going to you know, lock up, steal all of our food. Toasters are going to fire burning toast at us, and our cars are going to crash into everything. Uh, and that takes this thing where cyber attacks used to be in this sort of just computery world, and they suddenly touch your real life in a different kind of way. And I think that's why this does feel it causes anxiety for people. All yeah, my worst connected. nightmare is to be destroyed by my toaster as they fire fiery uh, pieces of toast at my yeah, body. that's pretty terrifying. And I would really <laughs> rather not be locked away from my ice cream if I don't have to be. So <laughs> <That's true. laughs> the the Internet of Things makes people anxious. Um, but the attacks that we've seen, you know, up until recently have all been of a certain type. Uh, so generally what we've seen from what we call IoT botnets, and this would be where you find a whole bunch of things out on the Internet, you compromise them as an attacker, and then you take control of them so that you can do stuff with them. What we've seen from most IoT botnets, and one of them was called Mirai, and there's been lots of of variations of this, um, was um, a couple years ago. And it was basically a whole bunch of 
like internet connected cameras, like security cameras and DVRs that those cameras connect to, um, and home routers and other things of that type that were compromised. They're effectively little computers. They're running Linux in most cases. Um, it was compromised, and then they were all combined together to be used in a denial of service attack, a DDoS, a distributed denial of service attack, where you take the power of all those devices, you aim them at a website or a server somewhere, and you send a ton of traffic to it, and you knock it off the internet. This has been the common use case for IoT botnets for the last couple of years. And what I think about these is they've never they don't reach that bar of super scary. Like DDoS attacks are no good, like we don't like them, but most of the internet has found good ways of trying to uh, work around them. And they are there are so many of these that they do have lots of bandwidth, but it's never reached the flaming toast firing at me kind of level of fear. Um, and something happened just in the last month from, from when we were recording here, a new attack that um, you've probably heard of as VPN filter. So just briefly on what's different about VPN filter from these other attacks, a little bit of background. So this attack was originally discovered by the team, the Talos team at Cisco. Um, and what they found was a whole bunch of small and home office routers that had been compromised. And they'd been compromised with some software that allowed them to do lots of different things. It was a modular piece of malware. But it didn't try to launch DDoS attacks. This is different. Uh, instead, VPN filter has capabilities around monitoring the traffic that's passing through it, trying to identify if there's you know, industrial control systems that are actually attached to this particular router, um, looking for Tor traffic that is passing through it, so traffic that's been encrypted by the, the Onion Router protocol. Uh, might be used for people to hide what they're doing on the internet, dissidents or otherwise, um, as well as some techniques to try and stop the traffic passing through it from being SSL encrypted. And all of that points to someone using this for surveillance, uh, surveillance or some kind of control. Or intelligence gathering. Or intelligence gathering. Yeah. And that's a really different use case. And it's a, it definitely spikes the hair on the back of my neck a lot more than um, you know a big DDoS attack would. The other thing that was in it was uh, they got everybody worried up front was that there was a kill button or yeah. all right that the whoever was the perpetrator the developers of this piece of malicious code could push a button and destroy all these 500,000 routers that had been identified as being infected. So that's what initially got us all scared. Yeah, anytime there's a kill switch, uh, and it, the Talos team was actually careful not to call this a kill switch, but like a kill, like a destroy button. Yeah. We generally think of kill switches as things that would um, shut off the bad thing that you're doing right. to get rid of it. But in this case, it was really wipe the wipe the device. Like it was a nuke. It. it was a nuke button. It was a nuke. Yeah, we'll get to that in a little bit. It's a, it a cyber nuke. Um, so a, a couple things on this. One, I think VPN filter is interesting and different from what we've seen in the past. It's an evolution that we're seeing from IoT botnets. But it also, um, I, I think it's important to think about why was it all these routers that were being compromised um, and why those things. It's not smart refrigerators that are being used for this. It's right. the things that are at the edge. And the reason for that is those are the things that are exposed. If you think about your home office, how you're set up, the thing that's probably closest to the internet, the thing that's actually exposed, is probably your router, the router that you either got from your ISP or you you purchased, whatever it might be. And it's exposed because it almost has to be. It's almost always going to be at the edge of your network. It is your connection to the internet. Right. So in contrast, my, uh, my Tide button is behind the router. Exactly. Your Tide button and my 
toaster yep. are both. I actually don't have an IoT toaster. My meat probe, my thermometer. Your meat probe. That <laughs> sounds bad that on, term. on lots of different levels. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> my thermometer. They are behind. A, there's no the, there's no way an attacker could go out and and scan your tide button and poke at it. Uh, if they want to attack your Tide button, they got to go through Amazon. That's the way they get to your Tide button, and that's through the API they're using. Um, but and those are the attacks that are scary, but they're the ones that aren't really happening. And it's because that thing at the edge is generally preventing traffic from coming inside your house. Uh, it's keeping it outside your house so you don't feel that impact quite as much. So this feels like uh, cyber espionage to me. Is that what we're saying it is, or do we know? Uh, I would say that. Uh, so VPN filter is still pretty new. Uh, we don't know exactly who's responsible for VPN filter, and we may never know exactly who's responsible, but uh, it feels a lot like espionage. Uh, the, uh, the majority, as far as we can tell, of devices that were targeted for compromise uh, are in Ukraine. Uh, we recently talked about attacks on Ukraine in an earlier podcast. Um, so, yeah, this looks a lot like espionage. So the reason it brings, it brings the hairs on the back of my neck up is that, you know, if you're a espionage target, if some mm-hmm. adversary wants to collect on you... You know, they typically go straight at you, try to go at you where you work, yep. try to get on your mobile phone. Um, there's always been rumors they would come after you at your house, and here is the exact way they would do it. They yep. sit on your router and watch you pass traffic back and forth. They can get access to all that traffic that's coming out of your house mm-hmm. instead of the stuff that's at your office where typically you have lots of other protections yeah. that are yeah, already and, in place. Yeah, presumably world-class uh, security protections, right? But maybe not at your house. Absolutely. So... VPN filter, like I said, it's new and it's interesting, uh, and it's sounds bad. evolutionary step. It definitely sounds bad, but Rick, tell us why we should not <laughs> panic. Why is this called "Don't Panic"? Why nice transition. Here? Okay, yeah. uh, uh, here's why we shouldn't panic about this. All right, uh, you've heard me and Ryan talk about the Cyber Threat Alliance before. All right, this is a group of cybersecurity vendors who have agreed to share threat intelligence with each other so that all of us can update our own products to help protect our mutual customers. Right. When Cisco uh, started developing this research, they've been working on this for months, but when they were ready to go public with this, they, they're members of the Cyber Threat Alliance. They got all of us in a room on a phone and described in detail how this adversary playbook actually works, and they shared that playbook information with all the members. What we all did as members was update our own products so that we could be uh, protected against this particular threat. And since some of the members of the alliance uh, have consumer products, those consumer products were updated with the latest threat so they could be protected from this kind of attack. So this is not hair on fire kinds of things. This is the way the alliance should work. This is the use case, by the way, for why the Cyber Threat Alliance exists. Absolutely. I I think that is definitely a comforting thought um, for those of you who are listening, that this kind of threat, you know, there's people out there who are working to... Stop it. Stop it from actually having a major impact on and, you. And kudos to Cisco here in the Talos group for oh, yeah. uh, putting this together and sharing it with the group. That's great that's research. Why, yeah, it's great research. Yep, absolutely. All right. So that is the conversation we wanted to have about IoT botnets. But as you might have heard on our last podcast, we introduced something we call the Pop Culture Corner. Oh, yes. My pop favorite part. Yes. It's the reason I do this. I don't want to talk about the security stuff. Yeah. I want to do the pop culture stuff. So, uh, and the idea behind this, uh, the pop culture corner, is that we talk a little bit about some element of pop culture that has uh, an interaction with cybersecurity, whether it be good or bad. And this week, uh, we're going to be talking a little bit about a clip from an episode of a show called Castle, 
which I will admit I have not seen before. So mm-hmm. Rick, can you tee up what is Castle? So Castle, the reason we love Castle is because one of the actors is Nathan Fillion. And if who you, everybody loves. Who everybody loves. Uh, the star actor in a movie called Serenity, which is, by the way, the best sci- science fiction movie of all time. Excellent. And I will fight you on that if you disagree. Not going to fight you. <laughs> and all the TV show uh, that's called uh, Firefly. Yep. So his next career move was to do this uh, TV uh, show about uh, he plays an author who writes crime novels, and he decides to embed himself with the New York City cops. So the, uh, his counterpart on the New York City Police Department is a female detective. And so the, uh, the show's evolution is them working together and, and then getting together as a love interest and then separating. That's kind of where we are in this, uh, this, this season, I guess, yep. when we come to the cyber episode. And I'm doing the air quotes here because this is one of the bad ones, Ryan. So, yeah, there's a lot of silly stuff in this episode. <laughs> and you can go and watch it on YouTube. The silly stuff is all over there. So what we're going to play for you is just a short clip um, from a, a particular part of the episode. There's been some hacking back and forth, lots of crazy stuff on screens. Uh, there's kittens at one point, but the one kittens. particularly... There's yes, kittens. I'm not going to spoil it. There's kittens. <laughs> um, but just one particularly uh, awful sort of part of this, from a cybersecurity reality perspective, I'm going to play really quickly. Here you go. She's almost in. I could launch a cyber nuke, but it'll completely fry his system. He's got a backup system at home. Is that a go for launch? Yes. just happened Armageddon I'm afraid okay so we can't let cyber nuke go by no in fact we even referenced it at the front of the show with something else so uh, (laughs) what you can't see because you you don't have the video for this is at the moment that they were about to launch a counterattack effectively they wanted to stop the people who were hacking them from continuing to hack them on these three giant screens in front of them are pictures of missiles and they press a button and they literally start flashing and launch the cyber nuke, which then wipes the computer on the other end. And this is a level of disconnection from reality and how attacks that we have talked today about some cool attacks. We've talked about destructive attacks in the past on this podcast. None of them ever involve flashing flashing missiles. No. That's not a thing. No, it's not sexy like that. So, no. uh, And Ryan and I, in our quest to uh, talk about great uh, cyber security pop culture moments, uh, we feel compelled to find the ones that are just really bad and make us cringe, like they all make you cringe when you see them too. Yeah, you got to see the awful ones as well, because the thing that's important to note is that you all have family. They are not as well educated. They're not listening to this podcast. <laughs> they think that's what you do. They watch this and they think people are launching nukes, cyber nukes with buttons. And the you know the the whole concept around cyber weaponry and the way that this concept is treated, uh, I think needs a little bit more reality. Yeah. They yep. just need to call us, Ryan. We'll be glad to, uh, Absolutely. to be if uh, you're If you're working on a show and you need someone <laughs> to be a, an expert, call me up. I'm available. Okay, we volunteer. All right. If that is it for the Pop Culture Corner, and that is it for this episode of Don't Panic. Thanks again, Rick, for coming on. Really enjoy it. Yeah, it's a lot of fun. Thank you, sir. We'll see you guys on the next one. Thank you. You've been listening to the Palo Alto Network's podcast series. For more useful information, including conversations like this one, visit paloaltonetworks.com.